Show's over. Turn it back around. Probably something more interesting over that way. <clears throat> but, Arbiter friend! Thank you. Oh, it's still warm. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Not! I'm sorry. Did you mean to suck? But, Arbiter friend! This crap! Arbiter, you are my hero. Chief, you may be the dumbest best man I've ever met. You had to be the hero, huh? Well, now you're dead. Now you're a dead hero. And you're actually forgotten. I can't even remember your name. I guess it's a good time to get back into baseball again. Because <laughs> today I bought uh, Rangers tickets for my wife's birthday next year. <laughs> so they had a they had a Cyber Monday sale. You got some yeah. Rangers tickets. Who yeah, are they playing? The, um, it's the Dodgers. Oh, that's that not a bad game. That's a good game. No, nah, go I tried getting the opening day against the Yankees. And <laughs> nah, screw that. We'll spend yeah. it. Well, the Rangers just signed uh, Corey Seager to a ten mil, ten year, three hundred twenty-five million dollar deal. Baseball contracts are insane. And they signed uh, John Gray, Marcus Simeon, and Cole Calhoun. It's just, it's just weird. Rangers, I don't know. They have to. I don't know. They've always sucked. I haven't watched them since um, they choked against the Cardinals. Forever will I be butthurt about that. What was that, like 10 <laughs> years ago, <laughs> roughly? I don't remember when. That. I know it was in the 2000s. Um, when was that, though? 2011. Like, yeah, 2011. I say So, yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Never recovered. And then we shooed Nolan Ryan off to the Astros and Ron Washington, well... Lined up with the Braves. Ron Washington, former Minnesota twin. Yeah. So, World Series everywhere except here in Arlington. Cheers. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's, um, they're apparently spending, so I guess that's something. <laughs> Who oh, knows? Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think, you know, um, last year, if it's any indication, I don't know, because of COVID, they're, um, number one team in terms of ticket sales, which is bananas. But then again, their stadium was opened up last year. Yeah, they got a brand new one, right? Yeah, it's literally you walk outside AT&T Stadium, it's like right there. Um, what do they do with the old one? The old one wasn't that um, bad. Yeah, they they actually used it for an XFL field. Oh, and hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the tickets were so cheap too. They were like twenty bucks a pop, man. <laughs> twenty bucks Jeez. a pop. But I, I think the way the stands were, like, like they they were just bad seating. So of course it'd be twenty bucks a pop because it's not built to be a football field. So yeah. But then, y'all, you and Ben, Ben specifically, trying to get me into prize picks, which I can't do because. It just won't let me do it for some weird reason. And Mine always gets blocked, now. and then I end up like my card calls me, and they're like, yeah, was this you? I'm like, yeah, for the 50th time, it was me. So I just gave up even trying. I was able to deposit a couple times into that prize picks, but then ever since, like any card I try just like gets declined, and then I end up having to deal with them like deactivating my card and then getting it reactivated. So I, I don't even try anymore. See, there's like like the process is like take a picture of the front of your driver's license to verify, 
And I do that, and I send it in for verification, and um, they just decline me every time. And I'm like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> so I just uh, went to DraftKings. But y- y'all y'all getting me into this stuff, and then um, I bought Mavs tickets for Friday. I have no idea why. Mark Cuban doesn't deserve my money. <laughs> that guy. But I don't know. I guess now I'm face deep in it all. I'm like, the... The Mavericks play against the Cavs tonight. <laughs> you're going tonight? Or you're no, going to I'm going the Pelicans game? I'm going to the Pelicans game on Friday. Uh, yeah. But the Mavs do play tonight against the Cavaliers and their 77 centers, sure. seven foot. It's just, ugh, Jesus. I don't know. I watched the, the Mavs and, oh, shit, what was the game last week? Can't even remember. I'm a little bit tired. Um, but the last game they played, the Mavs were winning, and they did um, typical Mavs thing. E- even though I haven't watched them in a while, which was just kind of shit the game away, just every time. I was looking at some statistics, and like, even though they're ten and eight right now, they're playing like um, a three a three win team. <laughs> Which is bananas. So but based on like their net rating, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. Well, I don't know. They got Luca. They'll be fine. I don't know why the hell you would yeah. hire Jason Kidd to be your coach. It's just trust me, that's a disaster. You know how I found out that Jason Kidd was the head coach. I um, I turned on NBA Two K Twenty Two, hopped into a game as the Mavs against Minnesota just to see. Um, what the gameplay was like, and I saw Jason Kidd on the sideline, and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> this must be the Minnesota uh, head coach," and because that would make sense, <laughs> you know, he's not a good head coach. And I saw him talking to Luka Doncic on the sideline, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me? There's no way. There's no way." And I googled it, hopped on Wiki. <sighs> sure as shit. Yeah, man, they sure had to shit. run him out of Milwaukee. He was wasting Giannis. <laughs> he's, he's got some interesting... He's not very good with his rotations. I don't know. That's It's a really weird hire for me. He, he wasn't um, this last game because he wasted 20 minutes on Willie Cauley-Stein. How, how, how is that dude still in Dallas? He's like one of the worst basketball players I've seen. Only well, Mark Cuban. He's much of an offensive game. He can play oh, defense. Man. He can rebound a bit. I mean, if for a backup center, I'd take him. I'd take him for a backup center. Um, but you're not going to get much offensive run out of him. Are they starting him right now? Um, no, he came off the bench in the last game, and uh, he, him, and I think Porzingis in the second half um, combined effort. They scored one point. So it was kind of like I was just watching it, just like man, this is. <laughs> bad poor Zingas, you got to score more than one point and that was off a of technical so it was like come on Re- <laughs> poor Zingas sucking this year i haven't really been no seeing any mad he's games. he's actually on a roll like um he's on one of those roles that are like you know this could define his career if he keeps going you know or as the media okay. is saying i don't know even though i haven't watched him all year that's all the tv can like constantly keep talking about oh poor Zingas, oh luca's ankle you know, so hopefully uh, Luke is good enough to not lose to the Pelicans. That would just be 
you know, I bought those tickets because I'm like, listen, well, Pelicans are pretty they bad. Lose. But I mean, the Pelicans beat the Wolves <laughs> one game. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, it's I the mean, NBA. Like even bad teams win 15, 20 games a year. You know. Yeah. So. But even even the Mavs, I think they're a game off from Minnesota. Like what are what is Minnesota nine and nine? Minnesota's ten and ten though. They've been oh, on a bit of a roll lately. They've won like six or seven. They started oh. to figure it out. So yeah, they got the Pacers tonight. So I'm gonna plop down and watch that. Um, I don't even like watching these games because they're all at. Basketball's seven. stressful. <laughs> Basketball's stressful to watch. It's so back and forth and up and down. You know, like football, you get, you know, there's a play and then you breathe for thirty seconds. Basketball it just keeps going, and you're just kind of like this is fucking stressful as hell. Especially when you're not getting blowouts. If you get too invested in it, it's very stressful. Oh yeah, I love it. And I was thinking I was I was thinking to myself because this is one of the Christmas presents I'm giving to my wife. Because I told her I was like, Listen, I don't wanna kinda get presents anymore because we always do that and all that does <coughs> is like incentivize you to just sit there on the couch and look at it and be like, Ah, oh, look at this pretty thing that I've got. So it's like, listen, I'm gonna invest in some experiences. So we'll go to the Rangers game, which we've never done. And I was like, hmm, the, the Mavericks game or the Dallas Stars game? Which one should I go for? And I didn't know, so I just picked the cheapest one because hockey's not cheap. <laughs> no, <laughs> Especially not. for good tickets. Yeah, and hockey there's games no, are expensive. And there's no bad seats in, in American Airlines, like w- especially when it comes to basketball beats. You're just looking down. But hockey, like I'd, I'd want to be up close. Because it's hockey, you know, so. Yeah, hockey's best. Uh, hockey doesn't translate as great on TV as other sports. And also, if you're at, you know, the closer you are, the better. You really get to the feel of how fast it is. And I think those tickets were like 350 a pop. Why did they get, is, why did they build a new stadium for the Rangers, though? Like, um, I like that ballpark at Arlington. What the heck? It wasn't even that old, was it? Uh no man, I think it was like like mid nineties years old, twenty years old I think. Yeah, but then again, so place. was uh, so was Texas Stadium when A and T and T Stadium was built, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, when was that? Built? It's probably closer to thirty years old. I think that probably went up in the yeah. 80s. Um, yeah, that field's completely fine. Like the only time I ever went was for an Angels game and. It looked like a nice stadium. I have no idea, but um, when we when the Cowboys beat Seattle in that playoff game and we were walking out, I just saw this massive thing that was under construction, and I'm just like, what the fuck is that? And my wife, being the Rangers fan, is like, oh, that's Rangers' new stadium. And I just looked at her, and I'm like, why? <laughs> it it <laughs> looks weird. It. it looks weird on the outside. It, it looks like a mall. <laughs> kind of looks like a department store on the outside. Yeah, which is crazy because on the inside it reminds me. Okay, these are my impressions from MLB The Show. Okay, on the inside it kind of looks like the Astros Stadium. <laughs> like I don't know, those are the vibes that I'm getting. But who knows? Um, I was just told not to sit in left base. <laughs> I don't know. Minute Maid <laughs> Park. In case. This is what it reminds you of? Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it looked like on the game. But then again, I don't know. I've never I've been to one baseball game in my life because I think uh, and it got rained out on my birthday. But 
I don't know. Baseball is one of those things that I feel like is like a statistical anomaly and not only a statistical anomaly, it's, it's a really like freak show, like athlete showcase. Like if you're not really interested into the intricacies, like my wife, she was at, when she was in high school, one of the best softball pitchers in all of Texas. Like, and then she went to college and played softball there and she had to retire because of a medical injury. But like when she talks about pitching and baseball and softball, like I'm just like, uh huh. It's a um, my dad was a baseball player and I played quite a bit growing up. It's 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 a nuanced sport. And it's also there's aspects of it that are more game than sport, much like uh, I don't know. I usually call golf a game and not a sport. Uh, Baseball is like a mix of a game and a sport for me. Like there, there's yeah. certain some of the strategies and just kind of the positioning of like, uh, you know, OK, we're going to do a shift here because this guy likes to hit the right field. It's very analytical now these days, too. Like they've really broken down like, OK, this particular batter, when you pitch him low and away, he tends to hit it this way 60 percent of the time. So they'll like try to do that and they'll put a shift on. It's just it's super insanely analytical now, much more than any other sport. And I think other sports are kind of adopting analytics, but baseball is by far the most like analytically driven sport at this point. Yeah, what do they call it? Sabermetrics? Yeah, sabermetrics, sabermetrics are a big thing. Because yep. I remember that my, one of my wife's favorite games is MLB The Show, and we put together a little dynasty trying to use the uh, the – the uh, what's the movie w- about the Oakland A's where they put together a team of people with a uh, really good on base percentage? I don't remember what the movie is. Is it Moneyball? Oh, oh, Moneyball, yeah, Moneyball. Is it Moneyball? Yeah, um, we did that for our dynasty. I mean, we got our ass kicked, but you know, uh, the, the real thing that I like learned about softball and baseball is she coached a softball team. And I had to basically cover the stats. There's like a little app that you can use every single pitch. You basically put in the stats. Yeah. And that's how I learn the intricacies. But baseball's always been. Yeah. Yeah. So you do like six to two or whatever the hell and all that shit. Yeah. My wife had to teach me that. So I'm over here like a really big sports guy and, um, you know, very proud of the sports that I have played. Uh, especially like football, high school football, especially down here, of course, in the state of Texas. And my yeah. wife is teaching me about this sport that I'm like that ever since I was a kid, I've always just been like pathetic, you know, because, you know, down here in Texas, they don't teach you about that. But, you know, yeah, baseball like and softball to me, like looking at it now is more like a humbling sport because I see some of these guys who throw like the sliders they throw and. These guys just whiff, and I'm like, man, that's just humble pie right there. It's just, I don't know, it's beautiful to watch. Can't beat a good slider. A good, effective slider. If you have a decent slider, you have a decent changeup, and you have a decent fastball, you're going to be a successful pitcher. And I was raised on um, fastball. Oh, you can get away. Nolan Ryan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you if you just have like a really good fastball and a really good changeup, you can get away with it. Like you can just, you know, as long as you're like mixing up your pitches properly, you can get away with it. Like a fastball and a changeup combo is still deadly to this day. Because if when the when the changeup comes out and it's coming at you and the way the windup and everything, they're very similar. But it's also, you know, a good split, like ten to fifteen mile per hour split in speed can just make people fucking look like idiots. Oh yeah, especially if you like um, 
also have like a a good two seam to go with the four seam like the like two or three miles per hour slower from the force the four seam is just like just enough to just make you bite and you're like yeah ah, man yeah fuck. those sliders are nasty you know. it's coming in you think it's a fastball and then it just cuts away pretty quickly that's so sick I think I think one of the hardest pitches and like one of the best pitches that I've ever seen pitched like actually in live person before is a knuckleball because like like the way <laughs> I saw a guy pitch a knuckleball that was all the way high into the strike zone and that thing just dropped down to this dude's ankles oh, yeah. and the batter just flailed <laughs> the, the thing with knuckleballs like, it's kind of just like a wobbler and it's it's really tough to control. You don't really know what it's going to do. I remember, like, uh, Tim Wakefield was a knuckleball pitcher in the 90s and early 2000s. He had um, – but his stats were so over the place. Like, um, it's just – the knuckleball is just uh, – it's like gambling as a pitcher. It's like gambling when you when you rely on that knuckleball. I remember one year he was basically like a Cy Young candidate, and another year, like, people were just hammering him. Like, 6 ERA. And, like, it wasn't any physical difference in what he was doing or his delivery or anything. He didn't, like, lose it. It was just like he rolled the dice a lot with it, and one year he was really super successful, and then other years it would just be a train wreck. It was really oh strange. yeah, and that and that knuckleball, if it lands anywhere in the strike zone and they know it's coming, it's you know, it's gonna be yeah. I mean, if they get a hold time. of it, it's it's fucking <laughs> toast. That's a meatball. It's like, gone for sure. Yeah, you know, that thing's coming in at like 60, 70 miles an hour. It's not a you know, it's like the slowest of all the pitches. Yeah, I mean, like. It, <laughs> like um going back to mlb the show one of my favorite things to do is like play a pitcher and like i would have i'd have my fastball my curveball and my knuckleball <laughs> that's all i would throw oh, yeah. i would hit him with the curveball fastball and then they're like all right here comes the curveball and i hit him with that knuckler and they're like what the fuck was that it's just uh it's a video game but yeah. No, <laughs> I, I remember as a kid when I played baseball, game. I always try to like figure out how to throw a knuckleball. I mean, it's it can be done. It's but it's really tough to control and get any kind of accuracy out of it. It's just a flopper. It's like throwing a dead. Th- it's it's like getting a fish out of water and there's kind of flopping all over the place. Good luck controlling it. I think there was there was only one year that I played um little league baseball and the only thing they had me do was like pitch. You know, I was the shitty guy because I couldn't bat still to this day. Anytime I try to swing anything, my wife looks at me revolted because she's the professional and I'm not. (laughs) And I remember one time my coach tried to teach me how to throw a knuckleball just for shits and giggles. And uh, I I could never land it. And then I had one game (laughs) where I landed it and then I could never do it again. And to this day, I still don't know how I did it. And still to this day, I don't know how to do it. You could probably ask Tim Wakefield. He wouldn't even know what the hell he did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> be like back in my day i was a cy young nominee yeah but and if you then, get somebody that if you find a guy that like is a really good knuckleball pitcher and just like actually has control over it and shit like that that's basically like a precursor like it's just a <laughs> just just a just a destroyer of everything my favorite thing is to actually go on youtube and like type in knuckleball compilation and some of the shit on there is is nasty. It's really nasty. That's like the shit that gives you goosebumps and you just turn away kind of nasty. Where you, you can't even a, be ashamed of the battery. It's just... <laughs> have you ever seen a gyro ball? A gyro ball? No. Yeah, it was like a pitch in Japan that like was this like fabled pitch, the gyro ball. It's um, 
I don't know if I've never I don't know if anybody's I mean, actually like thrown it. I think it's more of just like a weird change up, but um yeah, I don't know. It's a it to was look up a video yeah, now. I think it was Daisuke Matsuzaka was uh the gyro ball thrower. I wonder if Daisuke's still in the league. Like I'm not up to date on my baseball players. I'm not either. That's why like the Rangers uh posted a meme on Twitter of uh like you know that little girl with the house burning down meme? Yeah. The Texas Rangers put a Ranger cap on her and the house burning down was Twitter when they announced their <laughs> announcements. Oh. They had to get There's some big signings today in baseball. Max Scherzer yeah. went to uh the Mets for like three years, hundred and thirty million, some filth like that. It's insane. I wish Mark Cuban was such a bitch. Ah, I think uh, baseball contracts are nuts, especially for a sport that, like, for all intents and purposes, is like slowly falling behind basketball and football. Um, oh, yeah. It's on the downturn, but the contracts are still just insane for these players. Fully guaranteed also to, too. To keep consistent with the, all the sports ball stuff, Dallas Cowboys have eight coaches who all have COVID. Um, who will be out against the Saints? There Just can't go. catch a break. Mike McCarthy included. <sighs> oh my God! Well, at least you're playing Trevor Simeon. No, we're playing um, um, shit. Taysom Hill. Oh, they're gonna start <laughs> him. Yeah, it's looking like it, man. It's gonna be a wild Thursday where. Oh, it's we a win Thursday 13. game. Yeah. That's so wait, three you played games in a week and a half. <laughs> so you played on. So you played Sunday. And then you played Thursday on Thanksgiving, and now you're getting another Thursday game. Yeah. Have you had the bye week yet? Yeah. <laughs> well, if I guess you got to get through this, and then they get a little bit of a breather, I guess. That's fucking nuts. Back to back Thursday games. That's some fucking shit. Thursday games suck. And then we have the NFC East for, let's see, how many games? They're seven and four. What is, what is it? Five, six, six games left? Um, yeah, five oh. games. No, four, five, five. You still have five Six. NFC East games. Um, we have four, and then we have the Cardinals and some other team. Oh, we we still have the Saints. So the Cardinals and Saints, and then four NFC East teams. With six games oh, remaining. Really? Yeah. And you're seven and four. Yeah. So you'll go. Everybody seven and four. Yeah. You'll go 12, the Rams, twelve and five at least. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Rams sucks. are, the Rams are doing the most to uh, lose stylistically. Like I said, they're the fucking Rams. Did you know? Here's a stat for you: Matthew Stafford is nine and seventy against teams with winning records. In his nine career. and seven. Well, I did. He did play for Detroit his entire career, which is kind of a. But yeah, I mean, bananas. no, yeah, that, I buy that. That sounds legit. I, I don't really I don't you know I mean I I can tell like you know Goff wasn't the answer for them I just I really don't, I think they overpaid for Stafford I really do he's got a nice arm but he's never won anything anything I think he was good ten years ago I mean he's, he's always good. been good but, but he's not I like his he's not his what they he's not the King's ago. ransom that they gave up for him how many first round picks did they give up a couple at least right. Yeah, they're ridiculous. They're they're literally. Trying they don't even to have draft picks. Do they have draft picks for the next eight years, or have they traded them all away at this point? No, I think they've traded them all away because they they're put literally all be their just... 
they're going to be like undrafted free agents five years from now. Half the team's going to be undrafted free agents. Well, I mean, they put all their stock. They're like, listen, we're going to get these star players and we won't need draft picks because we're winning a Super Bowl this year. So we're going to screw the team we gave the draft pick to. And I'm like, bro, OBJ is only going to get you so much. Von Miller is only going to get you so much. And Matthew Stafford, he's only going to give you so much. Like, well, the good thing with I'm OBJ not, is I, they didn't give shit up for him. They just signed him. So that's, you know, got released. But, oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, the Jalen Ramsey thing sticks out to me. They traded a bunch of picks for him. Traded a bunch of picks for Stafford. They traded some picks for Von Miller as well. I mean, those are just three of them off the top yep. of my head. Um, it, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like, I think, I, I think them and the Cardinals – are paper tigers. I don't care. Like I I don't I do not think they're that good. They they've done nothing to prove otherwise. The Packers. The Packers scare me. They're I don't want to go to Lambeau. No, I don't want to go to Lambeau. And the yeah. Packers have beat the Cardinals and the Rams. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, Packers I think that's the team to beat. They're pretty good. They're tough. They're a tough It'll, out, man. Like like the Patriots, like you know, the Cowboys beat them and then since that point the Patriots have only gotten a million times better. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> Patriots fucking eight and four. It's crazy. They, they scare the shit out of me too. Yeah. So like, it's I only would not be surprised. Only- See, like when I look at the AFC, I'm like, yeah, Patriots are kind of the favorites for me there. I guess you know you can always bet on Kansas City if you want because Mahomes is just fucking master. And once he, you know, even he's had a rough year, but I wouldn't bet against him. But man, I think, I think he still needs weapons though, man. Like you minimize Hill. Like, it's just Mahomes against 11 guys. Well, and Kelsey. He's got know. Kelsey, you know. Yeah. I mean. um, yeah, I don't know. I, he's just kind of – he can become a, magi- a magician at times. I don't know, though. AFC's fucking weird. Tennessee's falling apart now, and they looked fucking like world beaters a few weeks ago. This is a wild they're gonna year. Get, they're going to get knocked out in the first round. Yeah, you know, probably. No Derrick Henry, yeah. no Julio Jones. I mean, just – Absolute shit show. I mean, I'm just I'm gonna look at the playoff picture right now because I need uh Seahawks to beat Washington because this shit's too tight right now, in my opinion. Seahawks are pretty brutal right now. I can't believe I thought that the Eagles would contend. Like in the last sixteen games, nice. Russell Wilson's <laughs> averaging like two hundred and sixteen yards passing a game and like one point two touchdowns in the last sixteen games. I saw a tweet on Twitter that was like, Russell Wilson is the Pete Carroll of quarterbacks, and Pete Carroll is the Russell Wilson of head coaches. And I'm like, you know what? That makes sense, believe it or not. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> exciting clappers. They're the clappers. Yeah. Pete Carroll drives me nuts. Fucking I hate that clappers. fucking dude. I fucking hate clappers. I'm sorry. Jason Garrett just triggered. <laughs> so for the AFC, we got the Ravens' number one seed. Oh, yeah. I forgot about them. After they their abysmal performance against the Browns, so at two we have the Patriots, three we have the Titans, four we have the Chiefs, five we have the Bengals, which looks like the best and worst team in the AFC every other week. Um, six the Bills and seven the Chargers with um, the Broncos, Raiders, Colts, Browns all on their butt. The Bills are the six seed right now. Yeah, that's a sneaky six seed. Yeah, like that's a really. I wouldn't NFC. want them. I wouldn't if I if I'm <laughs> if I'm the two. I don't want the Bills. I don't want that. Fuck that. I mean, shit. Well, I guess no. Somehow one gets the buy, right? So it'd be two seven, and then it would be oh, three six, because one is the only team that gets a buy now. Yeah, uh, one's the so right now, 
if it were to happen, the Bills are six, right? It'd be the Bills and the Patriots. Yeah, it's a battle, man. NFC East battle. That's a tough so, one. That's a fucking heavy hitter game right there. That would be going well, actually, to Well, actually, my bad. It'd be the Patriots Chargers. Okay, um, so Titans Patriots would fucking roll their ass. Titans and Bills. Titans are three Woo! right now? Okay. Yeah. I think the Bills Woo! would probably roll them. And then Chiefs against Bengals. That would be a fucking game, too. Yeah. That'd be a game. But for the NFC, you have Ooh, Arizona a... getting the bye. But, by the way, since the Eagles lost and the Vikings also lost, the Vikings are still number seven. Um, <laughs> so number it'd be two? the Packers. It'd be the Packers against the Vikings. There you go. Um, the Bucks against the Niners. No, I fully the expect the Vikings to win like nine games and be a seven or a six seed in the NFC. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean they they're, got, they're pretty stingy. Who do they got next week? I don't even remember who we got next week off the top of my head. Is it Detroit? The Packers? No, it's Detroit. Uh, yeah, it's Detroit. That's a game. Oh, I bet you, you we lose. I bet you we <laughs> lose. They always find uh, a way to lose to Detroit in Detroit. It's well, they no, they win there most of the time. But I just feel like Detroit always, for some reason, as bad as they've been, like we always make it close. They're very good at playing down to their competition. You saw it with the Cooper Detroit? Rush game, like they, yeah, gave that, like <laughs> how did you fucking lose that game? <laughs> oh man, the fucking it's always redheads in Minnesota, I tell you. And then we have uh, Rams who would be playing in Dallas, and I don't want that matchup either. But that's probably the fucking one we're gonna get stuck with. Oh well, right now they don't look too. They don't like a world, world look like world beaters, but we'll see how December goes. They could turn Dallas it around. Dallas does not look like world beaters. Well, it's a thing. Like I literally <laughs> thought, like a couple <laughs> weeks ago, I was like, the NFC is just insane. Like all these teams, yeah. I'm like, oh, they could win. Like all these teams are like 13, 14 win teams. And I thought it was just fucking crazy. And now just, like, every team has kind of hit the fan except for the Packers. I mean, the Packers lost the Vikes, but the Packers are kind of pulling away. I mean, even the Bucks lost a couple. And we were forgetting about the Bucks, man. The Bucks are still there. They've lost a couple games, but I don't know. That's, you know, Brady in the playoffs. He's got a ton of weapons. They could be a force I for sure. Yeah. fucking hate it. Imagine a, imagine a Brady... Uh, no. Belichick Super Bowl. It'd be the most no. insufferable God, coverage no. of all time. Do you know it would be the longest two weeks shit. of sports coverage ever? I, I could, uh, I probably wouldn't even be able to watch a fucking Timberwolves game without hearing about it like three times. Like that's how much the sports world would be talking about that fucking I, game. I would go to a Mavericks game just to drown out the noise. And knowing my luck, it would be Tom Brady's favorite basketball team that we'd be facing. And they're like, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, and he'd be the sitting front row. Yeah. Like, oh fuck. Right right in front of me. The the teams in the NFC that are on the bubble are the Atlanta Falcons at five and six, the Saints at five and six, Eagles at five and seven, fuck them. Um eleven Panthers are done, I'm not gonna mention them. And then uh Washington, if they win tonight, they'll be the most likely team on the bubble. Mm. Fucking poor yeah. poor Panthers. Not poor Panthers, fuck the Panthers. Sorry, Christian McCaffrey. He's on he's on IR now too. He's done he for the year. He's done. Yeah, they're He's done. done again for another year. But yeah, I don't know. Brady Belichick Super Bowl. I'll probably just like spend two weeks like putting on like ten hours of whale sounds on YouTube videos and just listening to fucking <laughs> shit like that. Like I'll just avoid the world. I, I just I can't. Who, who was the number seven seed in the AFC that we said? Was it Los uh, Angeles? Chargers? Yeah, give us give us Los Angeles and the Vikings. Fuck it. Like I'm so sick and tired of Brady. Like 
you know, if when he gets in the playoffs, if I ever look at him and I'm like, I just hope you get sacked and accidentally get Theismann. Like, it, you know, it's gotten to that point, and that's so bad, but I'm so sick and tired of seeing him. My thing was, like, I um, 100% rooted for him in the NFC Championship last year because they're playing the Packers. Oh, I did, too. I did, too. I was like, oh, Brady's not on the Patriots. This is nice. Like, that was my... (laughs) Yep, Los Angeles Chargers. That is your seventh seed right now. Give me the Vikings and Chargers. It'll be a game one six to three. Who wins? Yeah. I don't know. You know, there I thought there was just a ton of stacked teams, but now like I mean the Vikes went into LA and beat the Chargers a couple weeks ago. You know, yeah. and I'm just like, I think everything's a lot closer than I thought it was a few weeks ago. Like the Vikes in Arizona, like the Vikes missed a field goal to beat them. At, you know, as time expired, they missed a thirty five yard field goal, they would have won. They beat yep. the Packers. I mean, Dallas beat him at, here at home. If Cooper Rush, that's the most befuddling one. But, like, overall, when I look at, like, all these teams in the playoffs right now, I'm like, I don't any of these fucking teams could win. None of them, like, stand out to me. The The best team, I think, is the Packers. But I yeah, don't know. Because, li- because listen to this. Okay. The first game was, uh, what was it? For how many? There's five in the preseason. Five games in the preseason. So three. the Cardinals have beat three? Three preseason games now. All right, so the Cardinals edge out the Vikings. Um, they beat the Rams. They they barely nudge out the 49ers. Beat the Browns. Beat the Texans. Everybody beats the Texans. They fucking lose to the Packers, and then they get walloped by Cam Newton. And when they lost like, to the Packers, I believe that was a Thursday night game, right? Um, yeah, they lost, but Green Bay didn't have Devonte Adams. They did not have uh, Scalding or whatever the hell his name is. Like they were just like completely beat to shit, and Green Bay still somehow escaped with that game. Yeah, Aaron Jones was their leading receiver that game. There you like, go. So all their receivers. Who were have down. they? Who have they beat that that that's convincing? Like okay, like the Vikings. They're they're pretty good. They beat them by one. Right, the Rams. We all and the Vikings. That their paper easily tire. could have won that game, like easily. Yeah, and the Rams. They're paper tigers. They like to lose in fashion. When did they, they beat the Rams? Forty Niners. How long ago was that? Um, sec the third week in the season. Okay, the that fucking Forty Niners. October third murdered the Rams a few weeks ago. Yep, so this league's crazy. Edge out the Niners. Um, they then beat the 49ers by two scores, get walloped by the Panthers, and barely beat the Seahawks without Kyler Murray. Yeah. Well, 10 points. but And now they're going to play the fucking Bears. Then they have – here. here's the Cardinals' remaining schedule. Bears, Rams, Lions, Colts, Cowboys, Seahawks. <laughs> Hopefully they lose out. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I could see that happening. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully Cliff Kingsbury goes to OU fucking. Man, this is a sports podcast. Yeah, I mean, we're half an hour in and we did this again. I think that's what we did the last one, too. (laughs) Talked about sports. It's always good. What's what's even a good transition from from that into Halo? Trying to Um, think of what we just read. Well, regardless of how well uh, Dak plays on Thursday, he is always my angel. And angels have halos. That was a <laughs> that was a stretch. I was. <laughs> I guess we can roll with it. 
I'm trying to think of like what team I would consider the Chakas of of the NFL. Oh, I was thinking Detroit is riser because I don't know no. though. I mean, we learned that Chakas mm. is a big riser fan. Just can't wait to find him. <laughs> Just looking all over for <laughs> riser. Like risers, the Packers right now. Riser's the cream of the crop, and Chakas is mine. Chakas can't wait to find his boy Riser. Um, okay, so he's the Vikings. Chakas is the Vikings. Yeah, yeah. We they we're their subservient. Um, we've been their subservient for a long time. Um, I would say I would say um, Gamble Parr is the Lions just because he's oh, he's very just beaten down and old. But all of that getting beaten down and just like just seeing the chaos of it all has given them some perspective. I would say, you know, they're in the they're so, the old father. Yeah. So who's Venevra? Is she like she's obviously being led by something else? She's not really. They're the uh, Venever is the Cowboys because oh okay, okay. because uh, <laughs> being directed in one way and you think oh this is a thirteen win team and then like no we're gonna just turn around and start sucking that's what <laughs> the entire know. decade yeah. baby I love it yep so <laughs> you yeah I mean they got their gears and the Cowboys gears is leading them to be a successful team but they're fighting it with every every ounce of their fiber every fiber of their being they're fighting their gears code so. There you go. Those are um, oh, we got one more uh, that we ran into this week. Um, the Lord of Admirals, the inner voice for yes. Chakas. Who the that Lord of is, Admirals? Be? I I will take it a step further. That is uh, who's the Lions head coach? Oh <laughs> damn! What the hell's that guy? Was uh, it Dave Campbell? Is that his name? Is that Dave Campbell? I think so. Maybe that motherfucker's so hardcore. Let's see, Lion Dan Campbell. It is Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. Yeah, yeah, that dude's metal. Yeah, even though he loses a lot. No, he loses a lot, so he can't qualify. Bruce Arians. Okay, yeah, Bruce Arians. <laughs> I would, I would like say, said, I would say the um for me, uh, the Lord of the Admirals. It's like a distant whisper. It's the it's the Tom Brady Patriots whispering from the past. That's what it is for me. It's like we used to be badass. Like fuck everybody else. You know, fuck all these other teams. We used to be badass. So for me, it's that the it's the, the Brady Cowboys. Patriots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or it could be the Cowboys. I just like I just like the Vinerva Vinerva. I can't even say it. Uh, I just like that the Gias comparison. How how she just completely you know she's being led one way. But she has to fight it based on what they find. You know, I kind of like that. Yeah, I kept uh, calling her as I was uh, reading it aloud. What is it in uh, Tropic Thunder? He calls it his head movies and my head movies last yeah. night. Head uh, movies. Uh, <laughs> I kept calling her Vernestra, and I'm like, why do I keep calling her Vernestra? Oh yeah, Star Wars. So I kept doing that. I like, like I like kind of the primitive language that's used by some of these people at times. Um, it gives them, I don't know, it, it makes them charming in certain ways. I really miss Riser, though, because Riser was the king of primitive language and just, like, grunting and pointing at things. So I really hope we get Riser back here soon. I feel like we're well, working that way, but... What's crazy is, like, like this book has a completely different feel than Cryptum, like, completely different writing it's, style. Yeah, it's... It's, like, with Cryptum, I felt like it was the didact. Like, it starts off with Born Stellar, and even though the whole book is about Born Stellar, it still feels very didact. Mm -hmm. And here, 
it feels very um, ancient human, um, introspective, um, terrifying ecology. It's just very mysterious. It's like the Odyssey of it's it's like Chakas's little like <laughs> you know like journey. <laughs> it's his little journey and the and just his retelling of his journey and the things that he's seen along the way. I mean, it's very interesting to me though, like what's going on with him because you know it. it Chakas is the the narrator here, and it's implied through like the first chapter and just some of the. Some of the the dialogue that Chakas has, he's telling his story to somebody in the future. So he's telling, he's recalling yes. his distant past in the you know in the future. So I don't know when, what year it is. I don't think it even said what year it is currently. But my guess would be it's probably more of where we're at now, you know, in like the Halo gameplay. Like it probably takes place around that time period. So it's interesting though, like this Chakas stuff because. It's been thousands of years, it seems, since these events. And and right before the first chapter, like it gives some information. It's like Halo Shield Alliance 631, but it implies that Chakas has become a monitor. That's like that's like the implication here. Um, record of communications with autonomous mechanical intelligence. Yeah. Parentheses for runner monitor. So he's been turned into a little machine. And uh, it's like he's activating, like if you turn on a computer and it's like mm, booting up and it's processing. And then it just goes, what am I really? A long time ago, I was a living, breathing human being. I went mad. I served my enemies. They became my only friends. Since then, I've traveled back and forth across the galaxy, out to spaces between galaxies. A greater reach than any human before me. He goes on to say... Um, once on my birth world, a world I knew as Erde Tyrene, and which I now call Earth, my name was Chakas. So he has been completely changed, and yeah, um, he's surrounded by a science team um, leader and basically like just a team. I guess who's trying to get information out of him. I will say, reading these first nine chapters, I don't remember shit from this book. I don't like I started reading it and I was like, what the fuck is this book? Um, but I guess he's being just interrogated by this team and then he goes into his previous history. So yeah. something obviously happens in this book, I guess, to, you know, fast forward into the history. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, you know, it kind of it, it starts where his his retelling of his tale, it starts where they were all separated. Um, and he falls, we go back to, you know, like Born Stellar is now Born Stellar. Are they on the same halo installation? Is this the same one? And they're going to run into each other. Um, I don't remember because it kind of confused me because it kind of had, it kind of had like the retelling of when they were put in bubbles and he like recollects how he was separated from them. So it confused the shit out of me because I was like, wait, are we doing this again? Yeah. But. But then he wakes up on a halo ring, and yeah. he's being tended to by Vinevra. Vinevra, one of these days. I'll Vinestra. figure it out. But, yeah, Vinestra. <laughs> <laughs> but he's being tended to, and then just kind of gets acclimated with this halo ring, and she starts telling him about the gamel par. And I don't know, Chakas's whole purpose right now is to find Riser. Because from what we learn from Chakas, 
is that Riser was like his dude. Like Riser was his fucking leader, which I find kind of humorous because just from Born Steller's perspective in the first book, in you know, I mean, Riser's like three feet tall. Chakus is a much larger human. Um, and so you kind of, I don't know, it just seemed like Bornsteller was implying that Chakus was more, you know, the leader of some kind just because of just the physical traits. But apparently Riser is like the man as far as Chakus is concerned. And so he's trying to find Chakus. So I think that has to do with his, you know, age and kind of like kind of what he means to it's kind of Chakus's connection to humanity, really, because of how like long riser has lived and yeah like you know we'll get into ancient human ancestry with gamopar but you know i i what's what's interesting about this whole thing and it's convenient i mean it's science fiction he falls from the sky literally and then he's surrounded by people that um apparently have been acclimated with the librarian since like birth yep (laughs) So basically like him stumbling upon them was meant to happen, which is such a weird, so weird. Well, it's just uh, it's so convenient. It's more of the <laughs> library. Yeah. It's just more of like the librarian has all these specific plans for all these people. And I she's just like a puppet master for them. And I'm just like, to what end though? Like wh- what's the goal yeah. here? Like wh- what, is, what role does Chakas play in the librarian's eyes that the librarian has brought him here you know and it's because chakas riser born stellar they were all programmed for what took place for finding the didact for unleashing the didact um born stellar fuses you know and and absorbs the didact's memories and and you know has a metamorphosis and basically becomes a second like didact you know like all this stuff was planned out from the librarian so I'm still just kind of sitting here like, what the fuck is, why? Like, what is the librarian's yeah. plan here? What what are we doing? I don't know. I don't even know what we're doing yet. You know, I don't know what's I going think, on here. I think the, and I don't, I don't know. Like, and like I said, I only remember like, like one, like the one liners in the books. I don't remember the story elements. So like I said, I'm rediscovering all of this for the first time again. Um, I think mostly because Born Steller is going to become the didact. She acknowledges this, but he just can't become the didact. He has to be an evolution of the didact. So yeah. I feel like Chakas and therefore Riser, which is an extension, like give him that perspective on humanity, which the didact does not have, mm-hmm. and allows him to have the didact's like views and opinions, but from a more empathetic perspective. Yeah. So I feel like that's the purpose like that he has, but I'm curious to see like where the book goes with Chakas and like kind of the hero's journey as you will like on this Halo ring. Yeah. Because this thing is apparently terrifying. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, it appears that a precursor is there for some reason. And <laughs> yeah. A whole lot of people are being drawn to the precursor. Um, so I don't, it's like feeding on them. I don't know. Um, but there well, is, what do they call, um, what do they call the shaping sickness? That's what they call the flood. Yeah. Um, apparently the precursor, the prisoner has the shaping sickness. I mean, that's towards like by chapter nine. Yeah. But 
Well, it would. I would assume what then the that the flood is about to get unleashed on this Halo installation. Is what's going on here. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Which is bananas. Yeah. Which is like fascinating. So you're populating this Halo ring, yet somehow the 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 precursor gets unleashed on the Halo and is now consuming all the wildlife. Mm-hmm. which assumably is put there by the librarian. Yes. And so uh, that also leads what? me to wonder, like with uh, Venevra, now her Gios, you know, like Chakas encourages it. her. I did it, yeah. Chakas encourages her, like when they're searching and, you know, he's searching for Riser, he encourages her to like just close her eyes and just like point, just like use... You're built in, you know, what the what you were programmed with, much like he uses. And so she does that, but that ultimately just leads them to this fucking, uh, to this precursor that's just flood infested. And so I'm just kind of, and there's tons of people drawn to this thing going to it. So like. Yeah, they saw it from like the, the smoke, or yeah. not the smoke, but the gravel being pushed up. Yeah. From the amount of people walking. And they were able to like see it. Uh, it was down in like a like a gorge almost. It was like down there and they were above, able to look in. And so this I'm kind of wondering. The halo also transforms. What was that? Like the halo also like transforms. Like like it closes gaps and yeah, like it completely rearranges geography. I don't know. It's just fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting. But I'm just kind of wondering, like, why is her Gios telling her to go to this thing? Like, is the librarian just feeding the flood? Like, why? Because all these other people are just, like, going to it and just running into it, basically. And so I'm just like, well, that- did, did the librarian program them, too? Or were they are they just kind of, like, mindless and, uh, you know, they're being attracted through... Uh, primitive means through sounds because it appeared that there was like sounds that they were heading towards you know um yeah so maybe you know maybe venevra is much like chakas has like this really unique programming from the librarian is going to serve a purpose but i don't know why the librarian would program her to go to that unless that isn't supposed to be there i guess and it is there now i don't know well unless See, and that's the weird thing, because if the Gaius, her Gaius, is telling her to go towards the primordial, um, I don't understand the implication. That would imply that the librarian knows it's there. That would possibly imply that she had a hand in it, or imply that, well, she knew this was coming, but she couldn't stop it, but that would you know, beg the question, why is Chakas there? And why is the Lord of Admirals, the Gaius, that is put inside Chakas? Yeah. So there's like all these implications and too many questions right now. And I was having so many. The pacing of this book is very, very different. It's not... With Born Seller, it was a very like, we're going on an adventure to discover things. This, this, this. And there was great world building with the character building. And... Here, it's more so like, okay, Chakas is here with these two people um, that are remnants of him, uh-huh. kind of, um, and the humans. And here they are on this terrifying Halo. And it's written as them more so against Halo. Or since the Primordial is possibly in charge of the Halo, that that's the looming threat over them currently. Which is 
it's very creepy. It's very dark. Yeah. And it's very slow. Like he's building towards something and I can feel it. And when I first started reading it, I think I messaged you and I said this was very dry. Well, yeah, until they got to the primordial. But if if you allow me, on page 99 on the paperback, it says, The captive, the primordial, Venevra, came up beside me. Is that? For a moment, I could not say a word. Made a, made dumb by the old spirit's memories. Raw fear and the intensely cutting realization that this thing was now free, perhaps in control of migrations or at least patiently observing. She grabbed my arm. I've been taking us towards that one, the beast, haven't I? That's where they're all going. So it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's a lot of questions. Yeah, and then there's also a scene. I'm trying to find it, but there's also where she starts to, you know, she's choosing to go against what her gas is calling her to do, which is to go to that area. And she actually, like, starts, like, flipping out and she's like she's having like this internal battle with herself and then Chakas comes up and tries to calm her and she just ends up like clawing at him like almost turns like feral on him um it's very there's some i'm I'm just like super curious where this is going here and i want to know what the librarian knows about this like it's just i'm so so confused quick question do we know what her gaius is no I mean, it, okay, you know, so, it was just so, applied. Like, the only thing we really know is is Chakos is like, hey, like, I have this, you know, Chakos has experience with it. He has this, like, kind of this internal internal computer that's like, hey, do this or do that, you know, and it guides them. So he encourages her to just kind of, like, close her eyes and just let her feelings yeah. guide her. You know, it's almost like the force or something, you know, <laughs> and it's, so, but I don't know if it's a specific thing. I mean, it's just like a compass. <laughs> I don't know. So, I'm I am curious to see if like certain gaiuses are affected by this, like um like whether those people who are migrating towards the primordial, um have gaiuses who are also telling them to go towards the primordial if yeah. like the primordial has like some kind of hold against them. But then that would beg the question why the Lord of Admirals is unfazed, you know? So. Um, unless the um, Lord of Admirals like like has history, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's a I lot mean, of questions. Chakas does when he's kind of having like an internal conflict with the Lord of Admirals' voice that keeps popping up. He he does say something I can't remember, but it was something along the lines like the Lord of Admirals doesn't care. He's dead, you know. And the the <laughs> conscious of uh, the consciousness of the Lord of Admirals, there is a moment where it kind of realizes, like, "Oh, I am dead," and it kind of has to come to grips yeah. with that. Um, and it started pushing, yeah, like pushing the envelope. Yeah. A little bit. yeah. Um, I don't it's know. Creepy. It's it's just creepy, man. It is creepy. I almost feel like that. I I you know like all these people on this Halo installation. Perhaps they're all, like, programmed by the librarian. Like, these are people that were, you know, removed from Eridae Tyrene and were placed there. So you would think that maybe the librarian had a hand in programming each of them. You know, the librarian may have done something. and But it just seems like uh, Venevra's programming is slightly different than the ones that are mindlessly running into the flood, you know? 
So there's yeah. got to be something unique about Venevra. Maybe it was like a backup plan if in case shit hit the fan. I don't know. These forerunners, especially the librarian, the life shaper, just works on such a level that it's you know you're you we're gonna have to be like blatantly told it to really decipher what she wants and what she's going for. Or maybe, or maybe her gayest wants her just to follow it. Or maybe, um, and she just had the lucky chance of helping Chakas come to, and he was like, "No, don't do that," you know, and. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's possible too. I don't know. I don't I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's a um they mentioned the Palace of Pain, right? That is a thing. Yeah, uh, right? yeah, I mean Gamelpar talks about it quite a bit where the forerunners would come and take these people on this halo installation to what they call the Palace of Pain. Um and it's a place where they like experimented on these humans. And some people would never come back, and when some did come back, they were never the same. Um, we don't know a ton about it yet, but they do reference it quite a few times. It's like this really horrific, horrifying place that these humans on this Halo installation have been abducted to, basically. So one thing I do know is that the Palace of Paint is on Zeta Halo. So this is the Halo that will be in Halo Infinite. Okay. So... Whatever we learn here, um, my assumption is is that um, three four three will have carried some of this into the games, considering you know on the back. So of the book, this Halo installation that we're on right now is the one in the upcoming campaign. Yes. Cool. Which begs to question the flood, um, because the primordial. Um, yeah. And if if he's turning into a flood or whatever the fuck. Um, the insinuation is is that everybody following him becomes flood. Yeah, all those um, people running in there, you know, they're all flood now. So, I'm just curious. There's so many questions, and I'm that's actually really, really cool for that's a cool are. prospect for the game. You know, yeah. If we're gonna be on this I Halo mean, installation, it's just flood infested from thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years ago. That's crazy. It, like the or flood, can you imagine how massive the flood would be on that planet at that point, or that <sighs> that installation? I would fucking, I would hate it so much because it's open world. I hate it so much. <laughs> nah, I, you know, <laughs> they've always done a good job of not. Whenever the flood's been implemented, they've done a good job of keeping it centered to certain you know levels and stuff. Like we've never been. It would suck if it was like constantly dealing with the flood when you want to explore and shit. You know, <laughs> I would not. Oh yeah. See, I don't mind fighting the flood uh, in spurts, but I'm not trying to do it my entire gameplay experience. You know, I honestly think um, because the 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 thing that we thought in the trailer was a Shamshion, like a sexy Shamshion, yeah. is actually not. Is not, and it's not a prelate. Um, they just snuffed that out immediately and said. All your theories are wrong, which made me go, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. um, if they do do that, <laughs> like my assumption is, is that Master Chief is going to open up something that um, possibly he stumbles into like a the Palace of Pain or something, stumbles into it, opens up something, and now we're fighting the Flood in tight corridors. Sure. That's my assumption. And then we'll face Rocket Flood in the open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck Rocket Flood. <laughs> yeah, not much is known about the Palace of Pain. I'm looking on Halopedia right now. Like, I went to the Palace of Pain article. Spoilers. Watch out for spoilers. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. It's kind of what I assumed it was, but <laughs> not a ton on it, though. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting. It's, I don't know. Like, there, you know, the last uh, episode that we did, we didn't have a ton to talk about just because it was kind of wrapping things up with a little bow for Born Stellar and just kind of becoming the die deck. This one is just kind of like <laughs> Chakas on an open world adventure, like the first like hour of gameplay. You know, it was just kind of like, yeah, hey, I'm getting a feel for everything around me. I meet a couple central characters and we're going to go find my buddy. And so far, all have all they've really tripped across is like some decomposing forerunner ships, remnants from a past war, like the forerunner, like a civil war. Um, and weather. The, yeah. Some weather shit. Um, they do see some like rips and just breaks in the halo, which is cool to talk about because it's, it's, you know, you. The thing that I like the most about when we are on these Halo installations is just my feeble little mind trying to comprehend how fucking big they are. Like, because you can, you know, they talk about how you can see the whole loop. You can see it and stuff. Like, out in the distance in the atmosphere, you can see it going around. But it's still, like, just in your mind. You can't really fathom just still how fucking huge it is, you know? It's not like they're walking on like a, a city street and that's your halo ring, you know, and it just goes all the way around. It's no, it's it's massive. And that's what's so cool about it. Like just the sheer size. Whenever I think about it, I just kind of get distracted in a days of thoughts, you know? Yeah, it's like when they were describing like the tiles and uh, the ground ripping the part, it was, it was like it was terraforming itself. Yeah. And like constantly changing to acclimate the weather periods um to stimulate like real like a real world and it's just bananas to me that you know somebody could create something as big as this rain yeah you know something as big of a as a death star but also something that can acclimate life and acclimate like real weather temperature things like that it it it, I it's just, just I don't yeah, know. It's sustain like, life consistently. Like these people have been there a long time, you know. And animals have flourished there. It's really like it's really it's, it's just yeah. It's like terraforming a it's terraforming a halo ring. That's what it is, and that's what's so cool about it. It's like literally a planet. Yeah, and with these chapters, I can't like. There's not much information like talk about. Chakas falls from the sky, runs into. V- a girl runs into an old man. They have more in common than they realize. Off on an adventure. The the most important thing I can like relay is my like emotions while reading this because Greg Bear is really 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 good at this, um, and like playing The Last of Us Part Two because that's also consumed my life recently. I it's more so I can tell people how I feel about the experience rather than what's actually happening because yeah. My experience and how I feel is how I relate to the product itself. So in the first book, it's like awesome, this cool, whippy, snappy adventure like Sherlock Holmes. There's like sirens singing in the water, blah, blah, blah. And then here it's like there's an ever impending what feels like doom. Yeah. Um, there's a creature that we don't understand. We have no answers to any questions. Chakas literally fell out of the sky. Um, and that's it. And it's like... Yeah. No, I mean, literally what, what we There's... just read, we could sum up in a paragraph. If all, you know, if uh, if all we were doing were just straight summary, we could literally just... Everything that really... All the major stuff that happened, you can sum up in like a paragraph. I mean... It's literally yeah. just the feeling it, it's meant to give. Yeah, it it's feels... Like... 
there's it's something sad. ominous there sad. and you know the place is chaos it it appears to be like like you said it's terraforming like it, it and even like just like a rainstorm when they talk about the deluge that came down it's just crazy how it's just like downpour and then it all of a sudden just stops and everything calms you know and so yeah it's it's wild like everything about this place just feels like something's off and something bad is going to happen. It's, it's just this feeling that I have that they're in trouble there. And I don't know what the hell is going to happen to our three little buddies here. Yeah, it scares me. And all, and also, if, like, you put yourself in Chakas' position. This is just some human from a little rural planet called Erde Tyrene, and then he's here. Like, what the fuck is this place? Yeah. Like, you know, it's... It's one thing to be kidnapped by forerunners. It's another thing to fall out of your pickle jar and, you know, land on a ring. Yeah. <laughs> like, With some people who <laughs> uh, were abducted from Erde Tyrene. And, I mean, the younger one, uh, Venever, is just born there. Like, there's an entire generation that has been born there of these people that were moved there. And so he comes, and it's almost like... It's crazy to think about Chakas, like, when his initial conversations with Venevra and trying to, like, explain things to her, that he has more experience, just generally. I mean, it's no wonder he wants to find Riser, because Riser has, like, all that history and is much older. But it's just crazy to think that, like, yeah. he's really on his own here when you think about it, and it's kind of, it's kind of haunt. it's got to be haunting for him, like... He's just this little human that wanted some adventure <laughs> from Airday Tyrene, and now... Abducted by a forerunner is fucking uh, marooned on a fucking halo ring that's like breaking apart, it seems. And just, oh, and there's a primordial that's apparently infested with a flood eating everything. So, good luck, Chakas, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, it's like two parts, really. Like, Gamelpar is like Chakas in the future. Like, I mean, I could see that clear as day. Like, there's a clear juxtaposition between the two characters. And then with Chakas, I, I had another point, and then I forgot it mid-sentence. <laughs> I'm not going to bullshit. That uh, that just happened. Jesus Christ. Anyway. Was it a, a Chakas-Venevra romance prediction? Because I think we'll get some of that. It was not. It was more so... Um, oh, Chakas um, questioning his faith with the librarian. The beginnings, the inklings. Um, where yeah. they're like, well, you know, the, the lady in the sky or whatever you want to call her, um, she, she never disappoints. She has her hand in every cookie jar. Um, there has to be a rhyme. There has to be a reason for this. Mm -hmm. There can't be no reason for this. And, um, I feel like that's extremely important. Um, yeah, because especially the way Chakas reacted and Cryptum about, um, the lady in the sky and how much he was in love with her and whatnot. Yeah. So, and then, and you know, and then you look at the way Gamelpar talks about the forerunners and Gamelpar seems to be like, well, why do they want to hurt us? And, you know, Chuck is like, well, we had a war with them a long time ago, this and that, and they want revenge. And, but Gamelpar has like a completely different experience. I mean, he, he's had to, he's been on this planet or not planet. I always want to, it's basically a planet. He's been on this halo <laughs> ring and, you know, um, just talking about like the Palace of Pain and the things that he's seen, the horrors that he's he has seen, he has a lot less faith in the forerunners having any noble intentions with them. And you know, I think we'll probably see, we may see Chakas 
follow down that path a little more because, like you said, he has started to kind of question it where before there was never a question for him. Especially considering now that everything's out of his hands. Like, he has to trust Venevra to lead the way, and his Gaius doesn't know what the the fuck's going on. His Gaius is just a smartass attempting to take control of his body, um, or at least push the boundaries of that. Yeah. So, I mean... Like it's completely, it's even out of our hands as the readers because this, this is, this doesn't read like a journey. You know, it's not like Red Dead Redemption Two where it's like, well, you're in control of Arthur Morgan. Uh, go speak to Dutch. No, it's more so like, um, it's raining hell from the sky. Run. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> so it's really intriguing. Greg Bear is a really, really, really good writer, and like he never ceases to amaze me. These two books so far, he's really good. Yeah. I you know I I can really appreciate like the way he's set up just what they're surrounded by on this Halo installation like he does an awesome job of like conveying just how massive it is and you know I mean, there's a line where it's up uh, talking about there's like a rip in it you know and it's you know he goes out of his way to be like it's oh yeah it's like about five thousand kilometer rip you know and you're just like <laughs> oh yeah this place is fucking huge so huge noise and you look down there you know and you just see the rip and then it's just you know it's just this black void at the bottom like drop you out into space you know it's pretty cool yeah um i love and and that's what i loved about most about the first book too was just like his descriptions of the planets and the places that we're going like he's awesome at it and his description of this halo installation so far has been the highlight for me He's really good at showing and not telling, you know. Yeah. He's 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 not he's not telling us there was a big giant ring here, and they saw it. No, it's like no, there's terraforming in the ground. Yeah. that's shape shifting, and Chakas looks up and saw the remainder of the ring. You know, it's just yeah. little things like that. He paints it's a good picture. Bananas. He paints a good picture with his words. Oh. I like it a lot. He's a really strong writer. Um. Oh yeah. I don't know. I mean, this one is a weird one though. It'll be interesting to see what the next episode is like just because this one was a I mean, really like the gist of it like we said it's, it was like a paragraph. Like that, you know, you could sum this up in a paragraph. It wouldn't do it justice of all pages. like the cool like descriptive stuff. But a 100 pages. Yeah. A 100 <laughs> pages and it was just basically plot-wise was about a paragraph, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it was um it was i don't but that i don't know i i feel like saying it that way it sounds like i'm shitting on it which i'm not at all i found it to be very entertaining it's just it is what it is storyline wise it didn't go very far no it's just it's just more introspective yeah it's not it's not asking more out of you it's asking you to participate on the adventure like, yeah and Cryptum, it was asking you to be like, listen, here's the Forerunners, the Precursors, the Didact. Oh, yeah, humanity, history, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And here it's like, listen, we're, I, we're not asking you to participate in the adventure. Just recognize that these people are feeling things and just close your eyes and be on, yeah. on the adventure with them. And that's literally yeah. it. And I feel like to be able to write those two distinctions with like two of the same characters, like that, that's incredibly hard. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, the last one, it was quite a bit different. We were getting hit with new characters, you know, just even like the like the Krakens right away off the bat that they had to deal with as they're traversing the lake. Um, and then you get to the Didact, and then you get introduced to the War Sphinxes. You find out the War Sphinxes are actually his children. 
then you go off and you meet i can't remember the slob guy's name but he was on that big ship by himself and then you know um completely different vibe thus far but i kind of dig sexy I dig Shane it. Shione. it's like yeah it's like you know if like we mentioned the first episode of cryptum that it had a very luke skywalker star wars Heroes Adventure Phil, and then at one point in the chapter, um, Born Seller said if he knew what was going to happen, he would have killed himself. And this is really like the book where I feel like that's the result. Like, like I feel like I'm actively seeing somebody put a gun to their head, which is a morbid like image, but I feel like that's just what this book is portraying. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be cool though. Nice. It's gonna be good. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I don't know, and like when I just I tried to compare it to our first part that we read for um, Cryptum, and I'm so I'm just kind of like, all things aside, which one did I like better? And honestly, I think thus far, like, and I really enjoyed the first part of Cryptum, but I think I like this better so far. Like, I just kind of, just that ominous vibe that I'm getting from it is really cool, and I dig it. So I, so far, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I I think when I first listened to the audiobooks of all three of these, I think Primordium was my favorite. Yeah. Um and I remember why it was my favorite is because it's more so character driven. It wasn't like, oh, the history of the Forerunners this and that, which is really cool. I'm not shitting on that. Mm-hmm. But I really do like digging into literally the heart and soul of some of these characters, you know, you know, especially considering they're not the didact. So, like, to write an entire book about characters that aren't the didact, that's ballsy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> especially considering that these books are supposed to be about, you know, mm-hmm. the forerunners and the didact, yeah. and you have a whole book about a human. So, well, and Gamelpar, you know, to his credit, like, does drop some nuggets of, like, human history on us, but it's not the crux of anything. It's, it's kind of just some lines that they threw in there for Gamelpar. So, it's, it, but you get, that sense that Gamelpar is going to be giving us a lot of information about humans going forward. Like, because Gamelpar from Airday Tyrene relocated, whereas, you know, I mentioned before, Venever was like born there and there was generations born on this installation. So I feel like Gamelpar is going to drop some like big nuggets on us as we go forward in this book. I think um, it'll be the Lord of Admirals. The Lord of Admirals. Yeah, we also have quiet. yeah. The Lord of Admirals is quiet. also when the Lord of Admirals pops up, you can tell that he's got a lot to say. So I'll be interested to see what the Lord of Admirals is going to tell us as well. Very opinionated on the Forerunner. So yeah, you don't like him. It seems like he's <laughs> like when they when they come across like the um, wreckage of a Forerunner ship as they're getting the fuck out of Dodge, like getting away from the Primordial that's engulfing shit. Um, they come across like just a ruined wreckage of a forerunner ship, like the husk of a ship, and he's like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> like, he's like, "Fuck he's yeah. Like, yeah, fuck that!" Are there like, any corpses in yeah. there? <laughs> Were they burned alive? Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's very, very curious and morbid. Yeah, like, and and it, it's kind of like with uh, you know, you can draw a parallel to Bornstellar in the last one. You know, he fused with the Didact and took on the Didact and became more and more Didact until the end of the book, when you basically realize like. He is just like another version of the didact now. So who is Chakis yeah. going to be by the time we finish this? You know, is this, uh, <sighs> this you know, this admiral, the lord of admirals, I should say, is is that person going to be 
you know, become the dominant personality in Chakas? Will they fuse and, you know, come to some sort of handshake agreement? Or will Chakas just kind of snuff out this personality that's blossoming and this, this old, these old memories that are awakening? That'd be interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I think we also have to pay attention to those around them, like, like Gamalpar, like some of the dialogue between them, you know, uh, modern human with ancient human yeah. and like humans inside them, and then and a literal, you know, older human. Um, you know, it's like looking across like the row from a time machine, yeah. more so. And Vernestra uh, is like <laughs> is like that um, bridge thus far. Well, right now, Halo's the bridge thus far, but I think those relationships are really important to. Also, keep in mind, like, you know, the Lord of Admirals, he's very quiet, but, you know, it's kind of weird to give a Gaius a personality if you're not going to include him. Yeah. No, I mean, we're going to hear from him more. And they imply it, too. Like, Chakas, I think the last time the Lord of Admirals spoke up, Chakas had to, like, make a concerted effort to get him to shut up. <laughs> so, be good stuff. Lord of Admirals is going to see the didact and be like, fuck that motherfucker. Come here. Yeah. Born Steller is going to run into Chakas and be really excited to see one of his old human buddies and Chakas is just going to run at him and try to take off his head, you know? So, we'll see. (laughs) I can imagine that. Yeah. Uh, So, what do we... So, we read up to 10. Um, Are we reading up to 20 on the next one, then? Uh, Perhaps. What is it? I said... So, I've been doing this... I've been doing this by chapter. So, 382 divided by (laughs) 4... That's how I've been doing this, and then rounding into two parts. Oh, you did a uh, page number? By four. Yeah, which is 95 and a half. Okay. Which is damn near chapter 10, 9, 95. Oh, that's more than that. Uh, I would just add another 90 pages on here. Um, my book's a little different than I'll, yours. I got the larger print, I think. I'll message you the official. Okay. Official chapters my wife just sent me pictures of my son and they are so adorable (laughs) yeah well maybe we'll just throw it in the episode description like if you're reading along with us that's you know we'll just say read up to this in the episode description oh yeah did i not do that in the last part i don't know you probably did and i just didn't look at it i don't know i I probably didn't honestly let's get that's a good uh non-eyeball by you because um, but I mean, but, if you are listening along, or, or if you're reading along with us, uh, and you have any thoughts that you'd like to let us know, I mean, you could reach out to us, uh, Halo Lorecast on Twitter. You could reach out to me at Clonecast Pod or Ty at Wayfinder Pod. Don't you also have a? Um, you changed your, you changed your personal. You're like Lorecast Gaming now. It's no, you're uh, Wayfinder Didact Gaming. Didact Daddy. Didact Daddy. Oh. Yeah. Didact Daddy. You got too many Twitters. I'm, um, I'm fucking. Man, I I always change in and out because yeah. I don't like Twitter, man. Like I just I can't I can't ever get comfortable with it because it's like uh, I am a fake person expressing my fake opinion on a fake platform. Like Twitter doesn't exist. Um, it's not real. It's not real. It's just a thing. It's not real. But I, I do want to say thank you to the hundred people who do listen to us because we have a hundred people who listen, which to is us. pretty nuts. And um, <laughs> which is nuts. Yeah. We almost have a thousand listens. Like. That's crazy. I mean, my podcast, <laughs> which my baby, I mean, it took me a while to get up to 100 listeners a week. You know, or like, that's basically where you- I am right now. And so it's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, my other podcast has 34 episodes, and we 
have less listens overall than this. That's nuts. Which is <laughs> granted that one is a little more niche crazy. and I think Halo is kind of in vogue right now yeah. with the game coming up. But hey. One week, baby. Yep. One week. And you know what? I mean, if you got any friends that like Halo, give them a shout. Let them know us. Tell them to check us out. Um, we'll be talking about the games as well. I think you're uploading. You're going to be doing in a Halo Infinite multiplayer first impressions with yes. the Ithorian Historian super fan, right? Uh, that'll be coming up as well. Yes, we we are recording and releasing this week. It was supposed to be this last weekend. Sorry for the delay. Um, our buddy Ben, if you're from Star Wars, you know him as the Ithorian Historian. Now he's like the Primordian Historian, I guess. I don't That's know. That's a good Yeah, that can be um, his Halo nickname. Hey. Yeah. Um, we're going to be covering the Academy, the um, the Tenrai multiplayer event, and Fiesta because they're fucking getting rid of Fiesta. Yeah. No stupid fucking reason. Um, the multiplayer, the guns. Um, do have a lot of statistics on the guns and also covering the map. Yeah. So we're doing everything. And, you know, as the football season winds down, I'm sure you and I will talk more about the games themselves, especially as this kind of ramps up. So <laughs> whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, we yeah. you know, we can't talk about the campaign right now. No. So. <laughs> That'll be exciting to talk about the campaign, though. Um, so, yeah, we got that to look forward to. I don't know. You know, and um, bi-weekly. I think I think we're going to be doing these Monday afternoon records. That kind of seems to be the uh, least controversial time for both of us to record yeah. Monday afternoon. Football Works best season, for me. Man. Football season. Yeah, especially a football season. We were I trying to do them on Sunday, and it just kind of it's a pain on Sundays this time of year. So I will I will say that um, once we're finished with the Forerunner saga. And we start getting into the Fall of Reach, Contact Harvest game or books like that. Um, ben and I will be playing um, mission by mission the games in chronological order. So you will be getting an episode once a week. It'll just be something different. Well, you're gonna be a busy guy. <laughs> hey, you know it is what it is, my man. It is what it is. You know, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy doing this. Like I'm, I'm doing it and. People who are listening are reciprocating. Good. So, I mean, I have no problem yeah. with it, man. So, yeah, I mean, you know, any I get, feedback, if I'm anybody getting, wants anything that, you know, if they have anything that they think we should be covering, let us know for sure. If you think our sports talk sucks, that's too yeah. bad. I don't care. Don't worry. We'll give you like if a timestamp. You can just skip right past it and get right to uh, Chakas' Odyssey if that's what you want. So. I, I always do that. I'm like zero minutes to, like, the last episode was zero minutes to 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> now we we did a good 30 40 minutes on sports but hey we about matched it with the halo talk i think we dragged it out nicely yeah it's a pretty good uh pretty good run yeah, there we'll, in two episodes we'll get a review that's like i don't know if we had any reviews i've i've not checked but uh you can leave a review if you want five stars of course yeah what do they say helps with the algorithm apparently um in in two weeks they're gonna be like wow when did this become a sports podcast they don't even talk about halo anymore they just say that there's not much to talk about. yeah sports lore cast <laughs> yeah i mean I, I don't know i have a feeling that we're gonna get hit with a little bit more stuff to talk about here in coming weeks uh it's just kind of been the perfect storm with ending a book and starting a book and both of them were pretty straightforward so it is what it is but i gotta assume old greg bear is gonna hit us with something hard soon I, I will say if if he if the inspiration from him hits, I will also be taking notes like a madman. He just got he has to get me there. Yeah. 
He has to get me there. No, I took a lot he of notes right away, 50, but last couple, you know. that's when he knows. Just kind of read it and was like, all right, I think I'm good to talk about it. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah, nothing major. Yeah, it's, it's nothing major. That's fine, though. It's it there. doesn't always have to be major. You know, we should try to get Greg Bear on for a chat <laughs> at some point. Bro, that'd be fucking amazing. How do we do that? I like, don't know. Does he like is he on Twitter or does he have maybe we could go to his publisher and there's a way to reach out to authors or something? I don't know. Shit. He'd probably listen and be like, No, one of your hosts is a Cowboys fan. I'm not doing that. You'd probably turn around he's like, Why do they <laughs> want to talk sports with me? He wouldn't get far you know, there's no way he'd sit through forty minutes of that, so like, I think they're confused. Uh, they, they're probably the looking for a different Greg Bear. They're looking for like some sports veteran guy uh, named Greg Bear, some bookie. He gets on the show, and uh, we're like, so when did you become a, a baseball fan? <laughs> Man, that Greg Bear. <laughs> he does not have a Twitter. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think. Bummer. Yeah, he doesn't. How old is this guy? Is he like 90? He's got to be like 60, okay? would be my guess. Is he Okay. He's alive, I'm pretty oh, sure. Is he around? Oh, God, he's 70. He's 70? We got time. Greg, come on on our show. We got time. <laughs> we, he's 70. We got time. We can figure it out. All right. Uh, any final thoughts? I don't know. I think um, uh, I'm interested to see where this goes. A lot of questions. Hopefully, we get some answers next time. A lot of questions. I'm going to message him at gregbear at gregbear.com. There you go. Well, hopefully, maybe we'll have an update in a couple weeks on that. We'll see how that goes. All righty. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we will see you for part two of Primordium in two weeks. And also keep an eye out for the Infinite Multiplayer Review with Ty and the Primordian Historian, a.k.a. Ithorian Historian. So we will see you in two weeks. Take care. Enjoy the Halo Infinite campaign, folks.